Shalom Uvracha, and welcome to another episode of the Tzarechian Podcast. I have with me my friend and colleague, who is with me always, Rav Yitzchak Adlestein. Hello, Rav Yitzchak. Great to be here. Thank you. And today's topic is going to be a little bit delicate. The topic of self-criticism within Haredi society. This topic comes up a lot for me as the editor of Tzarechian, a journal that engages to some degree in internal thought, internal thought that can also be pointing out certain flaws, certain shortcomings, or certain challenges that we need to deal with. And often we get responses, why are you bringing this up? Isn't this just damaging? Why should we think or talk about the negative elements within our own society? This came up recently in a column of another good friend and colleague, Rav Yonason, Jonathan Rosenblum, Mishpacha magazine, in which he engaged in self-criticism of elements that he thought were unbecoming, were are inappropriate for Torah true Judaism, whether on the streets of Bnei Brak or something he spoke about, not wearing masks on flights and causing people offense and discomfort and so on. And again, he was there was a lot of pushback about that. Why are you bringing up these negative elements? And to be honest, I don't want to ridicule this critique of self-critique because they bring up valid points. One valid point is that perhaps this internal self-criticism will, as it were, dampen some Haredi individuals' enthusiasm. For Yiddishkeit, they identify Haredi society with Judaism by definition. And if there's something wrong with Haredi society, then that means that there's something wrong with Judaism, as it were. This itself could be a turn-off or damaging to religious practice. That's on the one hand internally. And on the other hand, what about people looking from the inside? There are many people who are engaging with relish in what we call Haredi bashing, whether for political reasons, for social reasons, for religious reasons. For many reasons, people are looking for us. And if we're giving them ammunition, we're being self-critical, isn't that playing into the hands of those who are fighting against Torah true Judaism? So these are two different critiques, as it were, that, that I receive a lot of. On uh, and I think it's only fair that on this podcast we should address the topic. Is it right to engage in self-criticism and not just in the steeple or at the mikveh or wh- wherever it is that, you know, Haredi meet each other on a one-on-one, one-to-one basis, but also in public, in magazines, on podcasts, in, in, on internet journals. Rav Yitzchak, what do you think about this? Well, I'm going to start off with my with my personal professional bias. Um, as somebody who's worked for the Simon Wiesenthal Center for, for decades, dealing to a very large extent with people outside our own community, outside the Jewish community, United States and, and globally. One thing that, um, of several things that I've learned is that in damage control, when things are not going the way they should, the worst thing that you can do is to try to cover up for a number of reasons. But the first one that I'd put on the table is that the best way of dealing with deficiencies where they are there is being honest about it. Because when you're not honest about it, you exacerbate the problem. When people see a community that won't take its deficiencies seriously, when everything is pull up the moat, when they're not willing to deal with problems internally, it makes the matter far, far worse. A little bit of honesty in saying, this is a problem, we have to work on it, we're doing such and such to address it, is usually the best way 
to minimize the Chil Hashem in the, in the public forum. It's, it's fascinating you should go that way because ultimately there, there's a certain reticence, I think, in, in the public face of Haredi society to concede that there's anything amiss, that there's anything wrong. And, you know, I remember when I was a Bachar in, in me Yeshiva and, and also in, in, in other Yeshivas, but I, rem, rem, I remember it especially from me Yeshiva, um, it was clear that there were certain elements that required you know, doing something about, there were real challenges. But the Hanhala of the yeshiva made sure that they were dealt with internally. They were dealt with by the Hanhala, behind closed doors, as it were. And then the question is, is such an approach possible on a society-wide level? Meaning, let's leave this out of the public domain. Let's not have this in the newspapers. Let's not have this in the, you know, in the media. We don't believe in this idea, as the famous justice said, that uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. We don't believe in that idea. We don't want sunlight. We don't want transparency. We want to deal with these issues behind closed doors, in the chambers of Rabbanim, in the chambers of Askanim, politicians, wherever it is. But leave the public out of it. How, how would you respond to that? Well, one is that was more than a valid uh, argument for hundreds and hundreds of years of Jewish history, but it's a pipe dream today. Social media changed that. The the keen eye, the keen jaundiced eye of world media changed that. Um, nothing is private. The of hashamayim that's yoleches hakol now does so at the speed of light, literally, on on the internet and and elsewhere. There are no secrets. Um, for, for a long time, particularly in America, many groups thought that they were conscious of problems and felt that they could get by with them because as long as we fly below the radar, nobody will, nobody will notice. So we put on a good posture to certain government officials. We do some photo ops and everything is good. That doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't. The world knows not only what we are doing, they know what we're thinking. It's annotated voluminously. So there are no secrets. When there are no secrets, we have to deal with damage control. But then there's the second point. The second point is it doesn't work. We've seen it. Take the issue of abuse, whether you're dealing with, with domestic abuse or, or you're dealing with uh, molestation. This is not a new issue. We, we know of Chuvis going back to the 19th century with molestation. And there, uh, what, was, what do you see in the Chuvis? The, the authors weren't happy with it, but you, when, when a Rebbe was suspected of something or found guilty of something, they made him leave town. He went they, to a different cheder. He went to a different cheder. I know. Now, when this change started changing in America, only when some intrepid people, I will point to, my chaver of Yaakov Horowitz in particular, yes. said enough is enough. Familiar. If, if there is no criticism, then the people within the community just relying on this bastion type of mentality don't do enough. They go with the herd that we keep these things quiet still. But th that means you, you lose the best tool that you have for change. Okay, so I, I understand what you're saying. And I'm, I'm in... I'm in 
pretty strong agreement. I think it's somewhat influenced as we are from democratic culture, meaning we understand that there's a certain wisdom of the masses and, and those masses can somehow convey different things by means of organic channels that can't be controlled necessarily, but sometimes that's the best way of remedying things. It's, it's something which, you know, is a reflection of the kind of modern mindset. Think about Basyakov, for example. Basyakov didn't come from above. It came from the field. It came from the ground, from, uh, you know, a, a, a woman who had her ear closely attuned to what was going on and said, guys, this can't carry on. Guys, maybe it's the wrong word. But she said, this cannot carry on. Something needs to be done. And, and ultimately, she received the, the haskama from, from some gudalim and then later from others. Um, so, so yes, I, I agree with you that things, positive things, need to come from the field. Um, and yet I think there still is a question of, of where do you draw the line. If you look at, you know, the secular media, the secular media channels where anything goes, and, and of course you can have the harshest possible criticism of leadership, of the society, uh, sometimes it's extremely embittered um, to, the, to the point where you think, you know, it, it's, it borders on what we would call self-hatred. I know people don't like to be called, you know, self-hatred people, but, but, but sometimes it's really tough reading. I, I wouldn't want to read that type of thing in my, you know, Yated Neiman, uh, if I would be reading Yated Neiman. Uh, but you, you understand what my, my meaning. Where, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line between criticism that is loving and respectful and, and building and criticism that is biting and spiteful and deconstructive? I was hoping you were going to help me with that. <laughs> I, I don't have anything better to offer than a smell test. Um, I have to decide as one of the editors of Cross Currents uh, which comments to let through and which comments not to let through. And we, we have an announced policy that we don't accept comments that, are, that, that betray animus against the Haredi community. Criticism is fine, but not, but not animus. I think 95% of the time you can detect when, where it's coming from. If it's coming from a bikusha MS, from a desire to, for, for things to change, sometimes it can be acerbic. And it can be pointed because the person's really disappointed. This is Yiddishkeit, my Yiddishkeit that's getting that's getting dragged through the mud. But there's a there's a worse kind where it's this 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 biting negativity. That's where that's where I draw the line as a, as as an editor. I, I don't I don't have anything better. I was hoping you were going to give me something on that. Well, uh, okay, uh, ha happy to have the ball back in my court. You know, one thing I, I would I would um, I would throw out there for for discussion is the question of um, who gets the right to criticize. Meaning, in a democratic society, the answer is anybody. But in a democratic society, we also encourage that. Meaning, every eighteen-year-old has the right to vote, and even if you're younger, you can be, you know. Uh, uh, the, the, the Swedish young lady who's become an international phenomenon. Thornberg. Yes, Thornberg, that's right. Uh, and, and we encourage that. You know, yeah, say your piece. You can be a hero. I'm not sure if we want to encourage the culture of criticism, meaning I think that people who are long enough, with, with, with long enough experience to appreciate 
the good that we have to appreciate the foundations that we are, as it were, built upon, the infrastructures that we want to be cautious in preserving, I think that those people should be encouraged to speak up and to point out where we need to be better. But I fear the culture where even our youth are encouraged to look at the world with a critical and sometimes negative eye. And, um, and th I think this is where we need to really be cautious. You know, on the one hand, to allow and to encourage criticism that can be productive. But on the other hand, you know, to be cautious of endorsing this overly negative, critical, kind of bitter attitude that can begin so young and then you just don't appreciate all the good that we've inherited from our forebears and try to preserve it. So this is something I don't lose sleep about at night, simply because I don't think that there is anything practical we can do about it. I remember sitting down a number of years ago with the Novominska Rebbe, Zechron Lavracha, and he was complaining about a certain publication that uh, published an article. It was a particularly foolish editorial position for this journal to publish, uh, to publish the article. Um, and he said, you know, who gives them the right to publish? Why are they doing such a thing? And I, I, I said, Reva, I said, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. They didn't ask for there, the right. It, there has been a democratization of the community. It may have gone too far. It may even go further. But there is absolutely nothing that can be done in today's society to recreate, to recreate the past. There are channels for people to be as critical as they want. Right, but a second ago, you told me, and that's a good thing. I didn't say that's a good thing. The democratization, changing it from where it was before, where in certain places, good organizations, good organizations, when they had Q&A, so the only way you could get a question is if you were recognized from the podium and you could then walk out of your seat and stand in front of the mic, and they knew who they wanted to speak and who they didn't want to speak. And we now know that many, many other people in the audience said, this is, this is foolish. Where, where's, where's me? Where do I get a chance to speak up? And they knew that this, was organ this organization was run sort of like an old boys club, and there, there was no room for that at all. Children grew up for hundreds of years knowing there's certain questions that you don't ask. And that worked, but it stopped working a while ago. And when you live in a country where a little bit of that democracy, just a little bit of it, filters in, even in Williamsburg, right? The, the fence that you build up around your community is no longer made of brick. It's chain link with more holes in it than, 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 uh, than, than solid. When, then, then a child who feels that I don't get I don't have the opportunity to ask a question or get silly answers in return. You're, you're setting up that child for dropping out. There has to be, it, it's just a given of society today. As you say, we don't know where, the, where the, 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 the balance point is, but it was a good thing that more criticism is allowed. It allows for creativity of, of thinking. There's a stasis that happens when you don't. It can go too far, but we can't set the clock back to the way it was before. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, but, but I would like to just push back on one thing. And, um, and, and that is that once we acknowledge that our border fence 
around Haredi society, around Satma society, whichever society is no longer brick, but it's become porous, then I think that that turns into a real challenge or a real, a real, um, a real impetus for us to educate in a way that's able to, to push back. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, um, when, when we started Sarachian, then we had a question, what kind of filters, internet filters, do we want this to get through? And what kind of filters do we not want this to get through? Under the understanding that some people are getting filters because they don't want their kids to be exposed to all kinds of material, and perhaps also to this kind of material, because this is questioning material, it's nuanced, it's delicate stuff, it, in, it, in, it includes no small element of you know, self-searching and self-criticism, and, 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 and I think it's absolutely legitimate, not just legitimate, it's a, a, real, you know, uh, uh, a real requirement for us as parents to make sure that our kids do grow up with a sense of what a bracha it is to be a part of, of this society. What, what a, what a, you know, what, what a, where would we be without it? And, and when you have the critical energy seeping in, when it doesn't become just no longer brick, but it becomes an, an, a, no wall at all, then, then I think we could, we could really lose it. We can lose it and we can gain even more. Uh, without minimizing the problem, I would, I would just point out that we have to have the confidence as parents, as Rebbeim, that we're sitting on top of the single greatest gift possible for mankind to receive. There is no challenge that Torah cannot meet. We have the means to be able to, to resist the, the, the That the doesn't challenges. mean that 13-year-olds need to be speaking about LGBT issues so we don't in, in, in the lunchroom of the Yeshiva Absolutely. Tanis. Granted, it has to be age-appropriate. It has to be community-appropriate. But we started off this discussion with this generalized feeling that it is never appropriate within the Haredi world, which is not homogeneous and is heterogeneous itself. We just shouldn't allow criticism because it's, it's dangerous. It is sometimes more dangerous to put an artificial damper on, on that criticism besides for the Chilul Hashem. I, I would, I would want to hear from you. Why do you think, why do you think that this has, has lasted so long? Other communities also had this concept and they gradually gave it up. Is it smarter because we're Jews and we got MS on our side? Or are there other reasons for us being more defensive today than, than other groups that had what to fear? Well, I think that the main reason why we're so conscious of internal criticism or, or criticism of, of any sort is because of the deep identification of Torah on the one hand and Haredi society on the other. And that's because we're a community-based tradition. It's not, we haven't espoused the liberal idea, the individualist idea that each one with his Avodah Hashem, each one with his Torah and so on. No, we serve Hashem as a community. And that helps us. It helps us to come together. It helps us to isolate from stuff going on on the outside. It helps us to strengthen one another in a community sense. But it also creates a close identification of being from, meaning being an Ovid Hashem, and being a loyal member 
of Haredi society. And then we are, I, I, I justifiably, we're very concerned when Haredi society is threatened because it comes over as being some, there's something negative going on there, whether it's in response to coronavirus or whether it's in how we deal with, with issues of abuse or, or molestation and so on and so forth. Then we say, well, one second, what's going to be with Yiddishkeit? Because as it were, there, there's a concern of, of throwing out the ba- baby with the bathwater, meaning that there's bathwater that needs to be thrown out. But we're concerned, what kind of a negative impact could that have on Judaism itself? And, and sometimes we're overly concerned about that. I think, like you said, we're not confident enough in a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu knows what he's doing and Yiddishkeit will be fine and we should deal with our problems. But I also understand the, the fear. I understand the concern. I understand that when we put some stuff on Tzarech people say, you know, Gewalt. You know, we, we haven't seen this before and, 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 and maybe this is going to be damaging. I, I hear it, it's not resonating entirely. There's, there's much truth. I, I, I can buy into all of that, but I think it's sort of in, insufficient. We're basically point, painting a picture of a community that's firmer than the Rebellion Shalom, which won't be the first time in history. Right. Uh, according to Chazal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Gehenim before he created Adam. Where was that coming from? Also created Shiva before he created the True. world. And the morale is Masbir that if you give Bechira to people, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't interfere with the Bechira of people. You, make, you have responsibility for making your choices right or wrong. But it is inevitable. If you create a mankind with Bechira, some people are going to wind up to be Tzadikim and others Rishayim, and there have to be mechanisms for dealing with the failures. Right. But you know that often the line is, that's true on a personal level, but Tibur, a Tibur has a special Siyat HaDashmaya. The Tibur doesn't go wrong. But unfortunately, it's true also on communal you know, on a communal level. I, I'm sure you've heard of the, there's an expression in England that there's no true Scotsman, the, the no true Scotsman theory. Sure. Meaning if someone's doing something, he can't be a real Scotsman. He can't be a real sto- Scotsman. So we also find this with, with Haredim. If he's doing such and such, he he's can't be a real Haredi. And that's such a deep insight, meaning it's such a deep instinct on the part of Haredi society because as a Haredi person, he would never do that. If he's doing that, he's not doing it as a Haredi person. That, there's no, it's, he's not a true Scotsman. He's not a real Haredi. But, but like you say, en mal asad, there's nothing to be done. You know, hate is a part of, of life and it's part of Haredi society too, also on a communal level. And with this hate, there has to be a Gehenim to deal with it. Gehenim isn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu acting out of vengeance and anger. Take that, you uh, disloyal subjects. It's a tikkun. If we can't have a tikkun within the community for the things that require a tikkun, then how strong is our community? If we can't face up to abuse happening in our community, while other communities can, what does that say about the strength of the Torah community? I agree. But, you know, maybe just to finish, I, I, would, I would highlight what you said before, you know, Es have Hashem Yuchiach. When it's done out of love and when it's done with, with true deep respect and also with, you know, the, the type of yira. I mean, it's a real, it's a real yira because you know that the constructions, you know that the, the infrastructure that we're on is so vital for our spiritual well-being. It's so, it's so, it's so necessary for us, for our children, for our society. If it's done with that in mind, 
then it has a chance of also being accepted and, and of also, you know, doing what, what needs to be done. I'm, I'm sure I wasn't there at the time, but I'm sure that Sarah Schneira was, was in that mold. Um, but, but when it's done, and sometimes it is, out of, you know, anger and spite and bitterness and, and, and look at what's been done to me and I'm a victim and so on, then I think that gives a bad name to criticism. And, yep. and, and then it just... Sure. I, I think there may have been more wisdom in what you just said than you may realize yourself. You made a distinction between the actual edifice and the, and the superstructure that, that, that keeps it aloft. And that's a very important one because the superstructure is a horashah. It's something that comes from the outside. And when it's confused with the actual binyan, then, right. you're asking, then you're asking for trouble. Right. Because people confuse the two. And when they, when they find difficulty or when some parts of that infrastructure have to be changed and people aren't willing to change it. It's a mechanism. It's only a mechanism and mechanisms have a half-life. Right. And sometimes there have to be subtle re-engineering. And if there is no possibility of criticism, it doesn't happen. And if there's no criticism allowed through kasher means, like tzarechian, then what you pointed out at the very beginning of this discussion, now that we're coming to an end, that leadership in the Torah community was not always top-down. I would dare say, if you look at the historical record, there was much more bottom-up happening. There was, when that bottom-up change came, much more consultation with the rub of the ear, with the rub of the, received of the approval. region. Received, received approval. approval. Right. right. Like the Gemara When there is a Chacham right. according to Mosri Shonim, if there isn't, you Who's a Baki in this specific uh, issue. And who people are machnia themselves to going to Rav Moshe's Tshuva. So that, that, that worked. It worked imperfectly, right. but it worked. But if you have no such mechanism, then what you're going to get from the street, from the bottom up, is going right. to be far worse than if you have healthy channels for doing it. Which, by the way, is something which I, I, I do have deep concerns for. Meaning, given you know, the, the, the state of some elements within the Haredi street today, you know, I, I feel that you know, you know becomes a Meleches Kodesh. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that on the Tzarechian podcast, uh, but uh, I allowed myself to came out by itself. In any case, final, final statement, final sentiments. Like, like most things in life, there's MS in both positions. And as you said from the beginning, the issue is to find, to find the right balance. The golden mean. But to ignore one possibility altogether is, I think, devastating for the community on multiple levels, both internally and externally. Thank you, Rav Yitzchak. Thank you to all our viewers, listeners, and Amir Hashem. Looking forward to the next episode.